So let's jump into it. Uh, we're going to be reading from uh, Genesis 4. Uh, it's the story of Cain and Abel. And, uh, and we're going to reference a little bit of Adam and Eve too. Uh, but we're going to be reading from chapter 4. And, uh, and I, I hope we can pull this all together. Like I said, it makes sense up here. I, I hope uh, <laughs> once it comes out, I hope it makes sense to you. Uh, but here we go. Chapter 4, verse 1, Adam made love to his wife Eve. All right, okay, right out of the gate. And, uh, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother, Abel. Now, Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of the flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother, Abel, and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother, Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? I've used that before. No. <laughs> the Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are under a curse and driven from the ground, which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. Before we get into this any further, I'm going to ask that you guys pray with me. Lord, We've come to, to this place today to gather together to worship you and to learn more about you and your ways, to be able to follow you in the ways that you want us to. And Jesus, I pray that you would have your way today, that Holy Spirit, you would speak in and through me, that, that it would just come straight through me and out to this congregation, that your word would be heard, it would be clear Speak, Holy Spirit, like only you can do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 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 I know you parents will be able to relate with me on this, but uh, my kids bring artwork home from school or even class here at church. And, uh, and I like art. I, I really enjoyed drawing growing up. I, I really enjoyed it. It was something that I, I don't get to do very much anymore, but it's something I really enjoy doing. So anytime the kids are kind of drawing around the house, I like to, you know, get in there and draw with them a little bit. 
And so they bring this artwork home from school, and, um, and, and sometimes I'm like, wow, that's awesome, man. You did all, you killed that, you know? Like each one of them have brought something home where I'm like, that's how I'm like genuinely impressed and surprised. You know, they've had uh, some of their stuff was uh, chosen to be on the walls at the hospital and they made it to the art show at school and all this kind of stuff, right? And I'm like, man, that's impressive. And then there's other artwork that they bring home where I'm like, all right, <laughs> that's, that's, well, baby, what is this? Um, they explain it. You know, you got to get real creative to understand what they're thinking. You know, there's the, sometimes, you know, they, they don't always knock it out the park. Maybe they didn't give it their best effort. You know, I think one time Roman brought something home and it literally, <laughs> it was supposed to be a color. Uh, he's supposed to color something. He had like one line on one side of the paper. I'm like, oh, Great job, bud. Great job. You know, it, it, you, sometimes you get in that as a parent, you're like, awkward moment, little bit. And I feel like God was kind of in one of these moments where he's got Cain and Abel. They've brought him something. They've brought him this offering. And Abel, Abel's was, man, good job. Let's put this up on the refrigerator. Like, good job, man. And then Cain's was more of a, are they looking? Let's throw this in the trash, you know? That's kind of how I relate with this, where God's kind of in this spot here between the two. You know, I don't know about you guys, but uh, I, I learned about Cain and Abel, the story of Cain and Abel, when I was just little in Sunday school. And anytime I've ever heard about Cain's sense, I immediately think, oh, that is that, that terrible dude that killed his own brother. Like, how awful of a guy can you be? And, and I've always just immediately thought, oh, that's that bad guy, Cain. But I've never really taken the time to, to kind of try to get into his shoes to kind of understand how in the world do you get to the point where you kill your brother, Right? So I start unpacking this a little bit. How did he get to this, this place? And so starting with his name, his, his very name, you know, we've talked about this in the past here before, but in those days, your name really meant something. I mean, your mother and your father would actually pray on your name and, and they would try to come and, and get a, a revelation almost of 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 what your name was to be because your name was, was what was going to somewhat be your identity. You know, uh, your name was, was a character trait of who you were or something along those lines uh, where your name meant something. It wasn't just a, oh, that sounds cute. That's a neat name, right? It really meant something. So Cain, his name means acquired, acquired. He was an acquirer. He identified as a, an acquirer. He, he cultivated the land, right? That's what he did. He cultivated the land. He was to produce, to acquire. 
That's what his identity was kind of wrapped up in. What is your identity wrapped up in? Take just a moment and think about how, how do I view myself? Who do you identify as? I've told you guys here before, um, <laughs> I too often identify myself as uh, the teenage boy that I was that was a little on the heavier side, all right? And that's, I, I identify myself as that teenage Devin a lot. <laughs> so anytime that I, anytime that I'm eating poorly or that I'm overeating, which happens a lot, um, okay, no, <laughs> I, uh, I identify, I go right back to, to that, that chunkier Devin of, of middle school. Like, I, I beat myself up. Anyone else do that? You identify as something, and then when, right? So Tara and I, over, over a decade now, we've tried to help people with their personal finances, We've been passionate about that. We uh, went to Dave Ramsey. Mom took us to class, and, and we just, we just kind of dove all in. And so that's something we've done for over a decade now is just try to help people with their finances. So now, anytime I'm in a room of friends and finances comes up, all of a sudden, all the questions start coming Devin's way. <laughs> and I'm like, whoa, okay, here we are. Let's go. And if I don't know the answer to something, I very quickly begin to feel incompetent. I very quickly want to crawl in a shell and just wish I wasn't even there because I feel immediately like I'm inadequate, like I'm almost a fraud because I don't know every single answer about every single thing related to finances. Right? Our identity kind of sets an expectation of ourselves inside of our head. So I believe Cain as this acquirer, has, has this fear within him that, man, what if I'm not doing enough? What if I'm not acquiring enough? What if I'm not producing enough? He's, he's battling with this internally, I believe, and then he and his brother make this offering to the Lord. And Abel's, God shows favor on it, and on Cain's, he kind of gets the shutdown. It didn't make it to the fridge this time. So he's already wrestling with this. He makes this offering. And man, it just didn't work out. Now, Scripture doesn't come out and directly state why God showed favor to Abel's and not to Cain's. It doesn't blatantly say it, but there, there are some possible clues here. So for, for Abel's, it does mention that Abel, he gave the fat portion of, of the offering. And I don't know if you've had just the right amount of fat in your brisket at Sugar Fire, but <laughs> there might be something to that. All right. <laughs> or it, it also said that he gave the firstborn of, of his flock. And we know that 
we read throughout scripture the principle of first that, that God wants to know that he is first in your life, that you are willing to sacrifice and give back to him. That is a principle we see throughout. The condition of your heart, is it for him first and foremost? So maybe, maybe that's what it was. But we do know for sure that Cain didn't get what he wanted. He didn't get that response that he was hoping for in this moment. And that happens. It happens to all of us, right? We don't always get what we want. We don't always get what we want. You were pushing and trying to make that, that impression so you could get that next promotion. Ah, you didn't get it, though. You, you were hoping to have the opportunity to, to work that project, and ah, you didn't get it. You were trying out for the team, and you didn't make it. You were trying to make your moves on the, the girl or the boy, and ah, got shut down. We don't always get what we want. And God goes on in this moment where he just kind of got shut down. Cain just kind of got shut down. God comes over and he asks him, Cain, why are you angry? Now, I don't know about you guys, but it seems really clear to me why he would be. <laughs> like, it, it seems pretty clear, Lord, uh, why he's, he's angry. At face value, it's right there. But I don't think God's trying to rub something in, right? Like, it's not like he's, he's trying to lean, on, lean in on this thing. No, I think God was trying to teach Cain a moment. Yeah, it doesn't always go your way, but he said, if you just do good, if you just do good, whatever's next, just do good. Don't wallow and fester in your anger, your frustration, your disappointment. Don't wallow in that. When you do that, you begin to think things that you normally wouldn't think. You begin to maybe even do things that you normally wouldn't do. No, don't, don't get hung up in that. Just do good. God has this sit down with him. Cain still goes on to murder his own brother. Then God comes around and asks, hey, where's your brother? Do you think God knew? <laughs> hey, where's your brother? Have you ever asked your kid a question knowing the answer to it? But are you going to tell me the truth? Are you going to confess? And I think God's here, hey, where's your brother? giving him another chance. Just come on, man. Tell me the truth. Cain, I don't know. I don't know. I, I can see Roman's face right now. <laughs> Boy, you do know. Yeah, you do know. So he doesn't confess, and he gets put under this curse. And when we don't do things God's way, things are a little tougher, aren't they? When we don't do it his way, 
things are tougher. When, when we steal, there's ramifications. When we lie, we hurt others, we, we hurt ourselves. We know that that's kind of inside of us, eating us away when we're lying, right? It's not a great place to be in. When we're, we're prideful and we only think of ourselves and we find ourselves all of a sudden feeling lonely and isolated, well, you know, if we humble ourselves and we show love and care for others, it's, it, it works out a little better, doesn't it? I told you I was going to pull in the story of Adam and Eve a little bit because there's some pretty cool parallels that I want to call out. Hope you guys follow me here. <laughs> but there's, there's some parallels here that I'd like to, to call out because I think as we take both of these stories and we pull them together that it gives us the whole picture of what we're trying to, to show today. So Adam and Eve, they get a clear commandment to not eat of the tree, right? And it's similar to when God comes to Cain and he says, hey, just do right. He gives them that, that come on, man, like just do right. Will you, will you not be accepted? Well, Adam and Eve, they eat of the tree. Cain kills his brother. They both fall, make the mistake, right? God comes strolling through the garden he asks, hey, Adam, where are you? Again, do you think God knew? Just like he asked Cain, hey, where's Abel? Do you think God knew? Right? You see the, the parallels between the two. But Adam's first response to God was a response that I just wouldn't, wouldn't guess. I wouldn't think would be the, the natural response to God. God comes and, and he says, hey, where are you? And, and I would think that as Adam comes out of hiding, he would say, Lord, I messed up. We ate of the tree, right? That was the commandment, right? We ate of the tree. We messed up. But no, his response was, I was afraid because I was naked. That had nothing to do, what? I, because I was, I was naked. It wasn't that I ate of the truth, it was that I was naked. Now, I don't know if you guys have ever been reading through the story of Adam and Eve and you wonder why the heck naked is mentioned so much. Like, how does this, like, we're talking about the, the start of, of creation here. Like, why do you keep talking about nakedness everywhere, right? So here we are. Adam's first response is, I was afraid because I was naked. But if we go prior to them eating of the tree, and we go back to chapter 2, verse 25, it says that Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. So they felt no shame. And now the first thing he responds is that I was afraid because I was naked. And God's first response back to him was, who told you you were naked? Who have you been listening to? Who's been filling your ears with, with stuff? 
Who's been influencing you in what direction? Who do you have around you that you're listening to? Why have you now become ashamed of your nakedness? Why have you now become ashamed of the way I created you? Hey, chapter two, naked's fine. Everything's good. God's good. They're good. And now all of a sudden something's changed. What have you been listening to? I created you that way, and it was good. Why have you become ashamed of how I created you? Why have you become ashamed of who you are? Why have you become ashamed of your identity? Genesis 1 and 2, when God's creating, you know, everything, he creates the animals, the beasts of the the land, he creates the sea creatures of the water, he creates the birds of the air, all by just speaking it into existence. But when it came to making mankind, when it came to making us, when it came to making humans, he, he got into the dust, he got into the dirt, and with his hands, he began to form us. There was more tender love and care when he formed us and he, he breathed life. We're told we were made in his image. What are you ashamed of? He made you exactly as you are. He made you who you are. What are you ashamed of? It was interesting. The snake went to Eve and the snake says, oh, yeah, yeah. He doesn't want you to eat of that tree because then you'll know the knowledge of good and evil. You, he, wants you, he doesn't want you to be just like him. That's what it is. But what's interesting is Eve already knew what was good and what was evil. She already knew she wasn't supposed to eat of the tree. Eve, Eve was already made in his image. She's already like him. But, but who are you listening to? Who are you letting get in your ear and where are they trying to guide you? The very center of the story of Adam and Eve, the very center of it is that their eyes were opened and they realized they were naked. They realized that they were naked. I want to share this statement with you. We're going to put it on the screen. I encourage you to write this down because to me, this is very freeing. God's position on humanity has not changed, but humanity's position on itself has changed. God's position on humanity has not changed, but humanity's position on itself has changed. At the very center of Adam and Eve, it said that they realized that they were naked. Hey, did God have any issue with them being naked when he found them in the garden after they ate? They were the ones that felt shame. 
They were the ones that felt shame. They, they even covered themselves with leaves, still felt shame. Have you ever been disappointed in your child, your family member, your, your loved one before? Just ever been disappointed? Like, I mean, maybe your child, maybe they, they didn't listen. They disobeyed. They did something that, you know, they knew they weren't supposed to do. Did that change your love for them? God's position on you has not changed. <laughs> Whatever you've done, it hasn't changed. I don't know about you guys, but that's freeing to me to know that, hey, I'm putting this on myself. God's position hasn't changed. I'm carrying this mess, and I'm haunting myself with this mess. His position hasn't changed of me. He still knows. He still believes that I can be the person that he's created me to be. To me, that is freeing to know that God Almighty is good. If he's good, why am I messing with this? If he's good, why am I messing with this? Here's another quick little thing. Another thing that was freeing to me. Sin is not a thing. Sin is what you do. Sin isn't this objective, like this, this tangible thing. It's what you do. James 4, 17 says, if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. It's what we do. So what I'm trying to communicate there is this isn't something that you've got to like get right. You, you've got to get yourself right. Have you ever heard of this or have you ever felt this? I got to get myself right before I can go back to church. I got to get myself right before I can get right with God, right? This isn't something, sin isn't something that you've got to like get rid of. It's just that next thing that you do, do good. The next thing you do, do good. When, uh, when Cain is throwing his hissy fit after the offering wasn't accepted, by God, God sat next to him and just said, hey, if you just do good, if you just do good, will you not be accepted? Don't get hung up on the past. Don't get hung up on that stuff. Just, hey, tomorrow, do good. I don't know about you, but that, that, there's something about that that is freeing to me to know that, hey, I ain't got to like get rid of stuff or carry this past stuff. I just, hey, going forward, stepping forward, I choose to do good. I choose to get, do good, Lord. God wants you to focus on the positive of doing the good. He does, he does say that, hey, sin's crouching at the door. Sin's desire, it is for you but you must master it. You must control it. Cain, you can control yourself. You can harness those natural fleshly desires that you have. You can control it. When God created all those other creatures, they couldn't, they can't harness 
those desires that they have. God didn't create them in that way. If they're hungry, they're going to eat. If they're in heat, they're going to mate. That's animals, they don't harness any of that like you and I. He gave us the ability to harness those desires. And we know in the fruit of the Spirit, love, kindness, gentleness, and self-control. We now have the Spirit that lives in us that helps give us the power to control and harness those fleshly desires that we have. Don't give in to your desires. Trust that God is in control. Trust that God will love, that he will provide. Trust that he cares for you and he'll take care of you. You guys can stand with me if you'd like. I don't know. I don't know if this uh, if this was a message that I needed. Um, I don't know if this message just made sense to me. But it's freeing to know that God's position hasn't changed. It's freeing to know that He still loves me. It's freeing to know that, man, I've, I've messed up, but he hasn't changed, and I need to drop what I'm carrying. I'm putting that on myself. It's freeing to know that I, I don't have to get rid of this sin. I just, I've got to take the next right step. That all the past, it's in the past, and that I want to I wanna move forward. I want to do good. It's freeing to know that I'm made in his image, that I'm a child of God, that God Almighty loves me like crazy. He loves you like crazy. Adam and Eve, they get their curse. Cain gets his curse. But I love how God handles Adam and Eve. They did the very thing that he told them not to do. Hey, you are in paradise. All I ask is just don't eat of this one tree. And they ate of the one tree. But rather than God coming back to them and saying, no, 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 no. Like, being naked's fine. Like, it's good. You're fine. Just go back to that. No, he, he made better clothes for them. He, he just, he went along with it and came down to them he showed love and care. He makes better clothes for them. They did the very thing that he told them not to do, and he still loves them. He still cares for them. He still provides for them. 
and he makes better clothes for him. The story of Adam and Eve, it doesn't say anything about them separating from God. The story of Adam and Eve doesn't even tell us that's when sin entered the picture, but many of us kind of associate it with that. It's where shame entered the picture. And Cain, Cain goes on to kill his brother. He killed his brother. God tried to say, hey man, like, I know you're angry, but just do good. And he goes on to kill his brother anyway. So he gets his curse. Hey, these crops ain't gonna be like it used to be. It's gonna be tougher. And in verse 13, Cain cried out to the Lord, my punishment is more than I can bear. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever cried out to the Lord that way? Hey, this is more than I can bear. Cain said, today you are driving me from the land and I will be hidden from your presence. I will be a restless wanderer on the earth and whoever finds me will kill me. He kind of set him up for that himself. All of his decisions kind of led him down that path. I'll be killed. But in verse 15, it says, but the Lord said to him, not so. Anyone who kills Cain, anyone who tries to kill my boy, anyone who wants to kill my son, will suffer vengeance seven times over. Then the Lord put a mark on Cain so that no one who found him would kill him. God tried to warn him, God tried to prevent it. He still did it anyway. But God still loved him. God still loved him. God still protected him. Anyone tries to, to kill my boy? Anyone tries to kill my child? No. Your father loves you. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you've said. It doesn't matter. His position hasn't changed. God loves you. He will provide. He will protect. He's your loving father. 